0: want to greet you all in Jesus' name this morning. It's a privilege to be here worshiping with fellow believers, fellow Christians. This morning I'm going to share some um, literature, some uh, news that is not so pleasant. That is happening right now in this current time frame. In our right, right as we so we're here worshiping. There's another place in this world that's not nearly as pleasant. There's a lot of places, lots and lots of places, but this place is unusually unpleasant. And uh, I, I ran across this article. I'm going to go. I, I would like to read it. It, it caught my eye. And uh, And I think you'll understand where I'm going from there. I found this in the Fox News report. Um, I guess it came out on the 13th of of April. I'm not exactly sure. I ran across it um, several days ago, probably on Tuesday. And it's been on my mind ever since. It's uh, entitled, Survivor Tells of Life Inside a North Korea Concentration Camp. To understand North Korea, you must first wrap your mind around the utter horror of its GULAG system. More than 200,000 men, women, and children are currently interned in these concentration death camps. Only three people have ever escaped out of these concentration death camps. Then, uh, interestingly enough, we got this voice of the martyr. Uh, How many of you get this? We got this yesterday. And uh, it just kind of all tied together, it seems like we also got a bunch of news about North Korea. And, and this article takes place in Camp 14, and I see six camps here pictured in this Voice of the Martyr article, and, and this, this takes place in Camp 14. Um, only three people have ever escaped. Fox News interviewed one of them this week. The man's name is Shin. I'm just going to stop there. He was born, with the name at least. He was born inside Camp 14, a notorious labor camp for political dissidents, just south of the North Korean capital, Pyongyang. The first r- rule was that you cannot escape. And I read those rules. There's ten rules. And after each rule, if you, if you try to escape or if you talk back to a guard or if you do this or that or the other, The real, the repercussion for every one of those or the punishment was being shot, being shot, being shot. I I think all ten of them was being shot. Um, The first rule was that you cannot escape, Shin said. And there were other parts to the first rule, such as, if you attempt to escape, you will be shot to death. And those that sought the, the attempt to escape another prisoner and failed to report... And those that sought the attempt to escape, or saw, witnessed the attempt of another prisoner to escape and failed to report, they themselves would be shot as well. But at the age of 22, Shin did manage to escape. After plotting with a fellow inmate who had grown up on the outside, Shin and his friend made a run for the electric fence as they were gathering wood. His friend was electrocuted on the fence that allowed... and that allowed Shin to climb over the body and avoid injury, or serious injury. Shin said he was willing to risk death for the chance to be free. My feeling at that time, even if I were to get shot and die, was that I would want to experience even just for one day of that freedom and that life that this this prisoner had told me so much about. Unfortunately, it was only I who was able to, to escape successfully. Now, Shin was born in this prison camp number 14 labor cap number 14. Uh, the policy of the, of the, uh, is it the, the Kim Young's, uh, the ills, was that, that uh, the families would, would be, would suffer or would be punished to the third generation. And so Shen's father had ended up in the camp and Shen would stay in the camp and if he, ever would have had offspring. His children would have been there before there could be release. But most of these just end up dying in the camp. The whole family dies out in the camp. Shin then made his way to the border walking across a frozen river to China. To this day Shin bears both the physical and emotional scars of his time in prison. As a child he worked in a sewing factory. One day when he mistakenly dropped one of the machines his punishment was to have the tip of his middle finger cut off. And it shows a picture of it. I actually went and bought this book. I, uh, after a, a busy, busy week, and if I'm getting ready to study, I f- sometimes, especially after this last couple of weeks, I feel like I need a purge. And I saw, this, I saw this article, and I saw the book online, and I have this little device that's called a Kindle, and it can easily download a book in just a second by just clicking on Purchase Now. And I started reading this book, and uh, I don't know, it's supposed to be 258 pages, and I finished about three hours later. It was just so compelling, I, I couldn't leave it. Um, it. It's just beyond words um, how awful uh, life was there. His, he, he dropped him a sewing machine. His punishment was to have the tip of his middle finger cut off. He has severe burns and scars on, the back, on his back from being tortured. He describes how prison guards punished him after his mother and brother tried to escape, even though Shin was the one who turned them in. They hung him by his arms and feet and set him over an, op- over an open fire. They were certain that he knew more than what he was telling them. And he was only a nine-year-old, handcuffed, and feet cuffed and held up in the air over an open fire. Uh, Shin says he didn't understand the family in the normal sense. He knew that he would be punished if his mother and brother tried to escape. So to him, there was no choice but to tell the guards their plan and avoid certain execution. I was 14, Okay, he was a little older than nine. I was 14 years old when my mother and brother were publicly executed, but I felt no emotion, Shin said. Rather, I felt relieved that I was not the one who, had tied, who was tied to the wooden stake of the executing. So that was what I felt at the time. I felt my mom and my mother and my brother broke the prison camp rules so that they deserved what they were going through at the moment. He watched his mother was hanged and his brother was killed by a firing squad. It was two years after escaping to South Korea when he finally felt any guilt. Right now it's hard for me to understand what I did at that time. So after I came to South Korea and learned about the outside world, learned about the family, I was only 14 years old at the time, I'm reading it as he, as he has it down. I realized I had committed an unimaginable thing, and I felt much guilt at that time. Guards used starvation to control him and the rest of the prison population. All the prison inmates in the political prison camp in North Korea had a habit of looking down at the ground when they were walking to and from certain places, Shin says. It was a, just a habit to look down to the ground. The reason for that was to find any food or any scraps of food he describes what he did eat. As I was walking on the ground, I saw two pieces of kernels of corn that were, that was in the cow dung that was on the ground. Shin said, without giving up much thought, I took the two kernels of corn and did whatever I could do to wash it or clean it up. I ate them because I was so hungry. Author Blaine Hardin has detailed Shin's extraordinary escape, and she says this about him. He grew up without emotion. He grew up being raised by his he says, uh, Harden is, uh, is a man. He grew up without emotion, Harden says, he grew up being raised by guards and he was always hungry and everything he did was to position himself to get more food. His parents were chosen for him by the guards as a result of reward marriage and he was raised by guards, not by his parents to be kind of a farm animal. It's important that people understand why North Korea has these labor camps. It's really not about labor, it's about control and terror. Political dissidents are punished three generations deep. That's how they control their population. This morning, I've titled the message "The Kingdom Wrestler." The Kingdom Wrestler, and and I would uh, I'd like to for us to turn to Ephesians six and read that passage. That passage of Scripture there. Ephesians 6. Finally, my brethren, be strong in the Lord and in the power of His might. Put on the whole armor of God that ye may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. For we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of the darkness of the world, against spiritual darkness in high places. Wherefore, take unto you the whole armor of God, that ye may be able to withstand in the evil day, and having done all to stand, stand therefore, having your loins girt about with truth, and having on the breastplate of righteousness, and your feet shod with the preparation of the gospel of peace. Above all, take the shield of faith, wherewith ye shall be able to quench all the fiery darts of the wicked. And take the helmet of salvation, the sword of the Spirit, which is the word of God, Praying always with prayer and supplication in the spirit, and watching thereunto with all perseverance and supplications for all saints, and for me, that utterance may be given unto me that I may open my mouth boldly to make known the mystery of the gospel, for there which I'm am an ambassador in bonds, that there I may be, that I may speak boldly as I ought to speak. Being a kingdom wrestler, I don't know what you think about when you think of wrestling. As a young man I like to wrestle. I probably still would. Um, wrestling is a very can I say proactive sport. When you begin wrestling, you either put yourself all into it or else or else your opponent's not a worthy worthy match to you, or else you're going to get thrown down quickly and and uh Pinned. Um, I remember a, a friend of mine wrestled a lot growing up and uh, sometime, sometimes there were bruises following those wrestling matches um, fortunately we, we managed to we are good enough friends that we managed to hold our tempers and not get too angry with each other and it was, it was really a sport um, and I enjoyed it but, but wrestling is about winning. It's about being able to, to pin the opponent. Well, here's a different sort of wrestling. It's wrestling against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of the darkness of this world. And if we didn't believe that there was darkness and there were powers and there were rulers and spiritual wickedness in high places, before I read this story this morning, then we believe it now. Or we should, or we better would, because there is, and it's happening. And I don't really know sometimes how to fit it all together. You know, this this Shin, he he learned about God, but there's a lot of other Shins in these labor camps that are born and die without ever heard, having heard about God. And how do you reconcile that with with? The scripture that no man comes to the Father but by me. I believe that God is sovereign and I, I trust in a merciful, sovereign Father. And, and I'm glad that I can leave that there with Him. But that doesn't take away a responsibility on our part to wrestle. How to be a kingdom wrestler. Put on the armor. Be prepared. We have a responsibility to be a wrestler and that's not just for the guys and it's not just for the girls it's not just for the adults it's for all of us to be wrestlers. Surround yourself and confine yourself with and to the truth. be girt with it. Gird yourself with truth. surround yourself with it. confine yourself to truth. don't let yourself so- don't uh, don't don't eat foods. don't take in digest things that would Take away from your ability to be a good wrestler. Don't take um, falsehoods and try to, to reconcile them to truth. Stick with the pureness of the Scripture. Surround yourself with, it, yourself with it and gird yourself with it. Let righteousness guard your heart in every respect. Don't let evil come close to your being in any form. Let what God says is disgusting disgust to you and that which God says is pure and righteous be your mandate your walk of life be on your toes to take the chance of giving out the gospel of Jesus what does it say in your feet shod with the preparation of the gospel of peace your feet shod ready to go protected ready to uh, give out the gospel of the Lord Jesus you know the recipe and maybe this talks about more about protecting your feet, but I would like to, to move it more towards that being ready. Uh, your feet shod with the preparation prepared of the gospel of peace. The recipe for success is it's when opportunity meets preparation, right? When when opportunity meets preparation, that's a real recipe for success, and it's that way with the gospel of peace when our feet are shod with the gospel of peace and the opportunity comes and it's, it comes together. That's a, that's a recipe for success. It's a recipe for being able to get something done. Take the shield of faith. Faith is hard to define or can be hard to define. It's definitely an act on our part. You know, It was a faith in, in uh, Hebrews 12, Hebrews 11 that, that the Old Testament saints were commended for. New Testament as well. The stepping out ahead obediently in, in spite of the glaring obstacles in, they faced. You know, David going to meet Goliath with this, the sling in the, in the, in the rocks uh, and the stones. Moses heading out a direction that didn't really make sense logistically, right towards the Red Sea. Um, and, and for us, it's the act of... And, and Abraham... You know, moving ahead in faith. For us it's the act of moving ahead on, on Bible principle belief even when it doesn't or doesn't or wouldn't make worldly sense. It's the act of, of wholly trusting in God and letting that be our, our mandate. Faith. Take the shield of faith. That shield of faith will also stop doubts. The Romans shield was, was a as hard material covered with leather, and they dipped dip that leather into water and, and let it soak. And then when the enemy shot flaming arrows, the, the arrows would hit that leather and it would put out their, their, the flame. Um, in the same way, we need to have our, our shield dipped into the water of salvation, into the water of faith. So when those arrows of doubts come... It stops them there and we don't they don't penetrate us. Protect your intellect with the knowledge of salvation. Taking the helmet of the salvation. Protect your intellect with the knowledge of salvation. Read the word, study it, know it. Emotions and feelings and, and such like they're important, but they can't always be trusted. We need to immerse ourselves and protect our minds with the facts. Uh, of, this, of our Savior's sacrifice and of His saving grace, we need to be very careful not to, uh, to let not to let the devil intrude or, or take advantage of of our minds. If if we do that, if we let don't keep the facts straight in our minds of of salvation and what God has done for us, and our response to Him should be, uh, the devil can quickly neutralize us, and God doesn't want. Neutral Christians. God wants wrestlers, people that can move out. He doesn't, he doesn't need roadblocks. He wants wrestlers. Keep the word of God in your right hand. Make it a part of your habit. Praying always with the spirit and supplication in the spirit, and watching thereunto with all the perseverance and supplications for all sin. Uh, actually, what I wanted was a sword of the spirit. In verse 17, keep the word in your right hand. Make it part of your habit. You see the pictures of the of the old west, and they're always, you know, you always see the cowboy with his revolver on his side. Well, that was part of his habit. That was part of his dress uh, for for many reasons, and some not so good. For us, our habit is carrying the sword of the spirit in our hearts. I remember being in the hospital in Romania, and, and there was this young Orthodox man. He was, he was an interesting man. He, he, uh, we were working with Anca, and she had uh, um, spinobifida, and so this was a high-profile case. And he was in there, and there was also had reporters had come in. We were gathered around one morning, and and here was this Orthodox young man. We were Mennonites, plainly something very different from him, and he came and he he came and started witnessing to us. And and I found it at first interesting and I was impressed with his knowledge and, and but then I, for, for every for every thing that came up, he would have some sort of orthodox proverb. It didn't necessarily come from the Bible, you know, in response. And I, I could tell he was a man who had immersed himself in Orthodox culture, and it, he was plainly well-versed in, in an Orthodox sense. Uh, After a while, it became a bit obnoxious, Um, but I I did have to admire him for his diligence in immersing himself, making making his orthodoxy part of his his habit. Well, we need to be that way immersed, immersed so that the principle of the word is going to illuminate our thought, our conversation, and our practice, not necessarily that we have to have a proverb to answer for every. For every situation, or I have a verse in our tip of our tongues to, to give to everyone that we talk to. But I think it's more about that it, this, this illuminates our thought, our conversation. People see that coming from us. Why wrestle? Maybe that's a redundant question at this point. But I think it's one that should be addressed. Why wrestle? You know, why not just sit back and coast? I feel like I do way too much of that. And I'm speaking to myself this morning. Wrestling takes effort. It really does. Well, first of all, we're called to it right here in this Scripture. Um, Paul calls us to, to wrestle, take on this armor. And it seems like he takes for granted that we are going to wrestle. Um, no pain, no gain. You can write that N-O pain, no gain. And, or you can go K-N-O-W pain and K-N-O-W gain. No pain, no gain. No pain, no gain. Um, I don't believe that anything great, and of course there's those proverbs that say that ever comes of with with Without some great sacrifice as well. There's a worthy cause. There's a reason for us to wrestle. It's not just about promoting a person, but it's about promoting a principle. We, as Christians who know the scripture, we're in a unique position to present, to uh, defend and portray the divine solution. Now when you hear of a purge in communism in the same sentence or if you hear of the solution in Hitler in the same sentence it has a very negative connotation. But we as Christians need purges sometimes. And there's Christian solutions as well and there's the divine solution and Christ brought that. Hitler had his solutions. They were evil. They were demonic. And they were cursed. Hitler's final solution, of course, was to exterminate all the Jews in Germany. Stalin, probably a man whose evil was equaled only by Hitler, had his evil (coughs) solutions. And, And today, believe it or not, in our society, there's evil solutions that are being carried out. Abortion is maybe the worst evil solution, but there's also solutions that are Designed to separate man from God. Solutions that are designed to put the emphasis on the created instead of on the creator. So we have a call to wrestle. We're in a unique position to to present, to defend, to portray the divine solution to the world. The Christian is a foot soldier for the divine solution to man's needs and problems. He's the boots on the ground to portray and exemplify the truth that's been revealed. Last Sunday in our Sunday school lesson, we, we read uh, out of Romans 10. And the thought came to my mind, you know, the law brought the Jews. It was a schoolmaster bring the Jews to Christ? And it seems as though Paul is saying that nature is the schoolmaster that brought to bring the Gentiles. Because the Gentiles saw the creation of God, and they saw the invisible of God. Um, Or they saw the, the visible of God, which revealed to them that there was a much greater invisible being. He says they were inexcusable, or without excuse. So, were they saved because they witnessed the creation? Were the Gentiles saved because they witnessed creation? Were the Jews saved because they witnessed the law? I don't, I'm not here to necessarily go into deep theology. But if that were, it would have been the case for either the law or the uh, creation, the witness of creation, there would have been no, no need for a, a divine solution. The law and creation simply pointed man to the lawgiver the law and the creator. They are, and there cannot be an end in and of themselves, but they're an indicator, they're a light. And that's why we as Christians have such an important role to be wrestlers, why it's so important for us to take that role to, to be good wrestlers. And now I'd like to, to go back here a bit to, to this Shin. You know, he was in a, in a hopeless situation. It says only three escaped out of these labor camps. And there's approximately 200,000, according to Voice of the Martyrs' publication, there's in these camps today, uh, these combined six camps. So three out of uh, 200,000 And how many have been there before and how many will be there. Uh, The odds are pretty slim for a person in there that they'll ever come out. Uh, Last Sunday afternoon, I think it was, we came home and, and we're going in the house and we heard something, some scratching noises. And after a while... We went and ate lunch and I came out and sat on the porch afterwards and heard the scratching noise. All of a sudden it hit me. I, I know what that is. As a bird had gotten down into, was in our gutters and had gotten down, we have oversized drain spouts, and got down into the drain spout. And our drain spouts run down and then they, because of the way, of our terrain in the front of our house, they're, they run into underground uh, lines or underground... Uh, uh, the no word doesn't come to me. Um, yeah, well, pipes. pipes, thank you, Joe. <laughs> Run into underground pipes, and, and go around the house, and back behind, and down, and, and, just, and, and then finally, you know, daylight, way, way back. So we knew that this, this bird, you know, we could hear it trying to fly, and it's trying to come up, but the, 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 the downspout is too narrow for it to, to get any kind of levitation. And, uh, of course, you know, probably to to look underneath there and go through that drain line that goes underneath and out, you know, probably for that little bird, that looked like the corridor of of shale. You know, it it was, it must have, it was, it probably didn't, you know, even contemplate the idea of going down and, and taking off, you know, for miles and miles, as it probably seemed like to him, to get to the other end. Well, you know, the boys took mercy on that bird and I think it was a starling then, which is kind of disappointing, but took mercy on the b- bird and, and opened up the, the gutter and, and, and uh, after a while it escaped. That bird, you know, the, without some sort of divine solution in his little world, would have not escaped. It wouldn't have gotten out. Um, and it desperately wanted to. And this young man here in the, this uh, article. And by the way, if you want to read this book, uh, it's it's a uh, it's it's a tough read, but it's a, uh, the name of it is Escape from Camp 14. Um, without the help of God, I don't believe he would have gotten out either. God had some reason for, for him getting out. And he really didn't want to get out that bad. He was 22 when he escaped, and he really didn't want to get out that bad until he met a Mr. Park who came in from the outside world and made friends with him and actually treated him like a human being. And he was supposed to be snitching on Mr. Park, but when Mr. Park treated him like a contemporary, like a fellow human being, he lost his desire to snitch on Mr. Park. Mr. Park wasn't a Christian. He simply told shin about what the world was like outside and told him that things were better and there was actually food and they would grill meat and all shin could think about was getting out and getting grilled meat that was really all he wanted is to be free and have grilled meat and all he could have eat of it he, that's what he wanted and after the you know when he got to that point he was willing to, to risk his life to risk everything to do that And, and later then, he came to know God. But it, it, took, it took years. Well, it took a couple of years before he even felt guilt for having, having uh, turned in or, or told on his mother and brother and, and having contributed to their uh, execution. He said sometimes he tries to smile and he tries to, to laugh. And it's he was doing much better by the by the end of the book, but you know even a couple of years, three years later, he said sometimes I try to smile and try to laugh just just to see what it's like to see if I can feel seem happy like other people. And he said it really doesn't make any difference. I just don't feel anything it was it was you know that that dark inside that camp well imagine imagine knowing by the shadows and the precepts of the law or by the designs of creation that there's a much larger invisible force or design of power. Something much better but not knowing what it is. Imagine something that seems tangible but is intangible. Isaiah 9-2 says this, I think it captures a picture. The people that walked in darkness have seen a great light. They that dwell on the land of the shadow of death, upon them hath the light shined. The people that have walked in darkness have seen a great light. Upon us has the light shined. Today, us as Christians, the light has shined upon us. We can revel in that light that's shined upon us. And we should also consider how much wrestling it took for that light to be projected to us. First of all, the cross. And then the persecution suffered by many people to find the pure word. Think of it especially in the 1500s during the Reformation. um, People who who were willing to put their lives on the line for the pure word of God, who wrestled for it. The faithfulness of our fa- parents and our forefathers should wrestle to keep truth, to keep the pureness of the gospel. <coughs> and then we should consider those on whom the light hasn't reached yet, on those whom you know, the light hasn't shown yet, who are still living in darkness. Romans 10.8 What saith it? The word is nigh thee, even in thy mouth and in thy heart. That is the word of faith which we preach, that if thou shalt confess with thy mouth the Lord Jesus, and believe in thine heart that God hath raised him from the dead, thou shalt be saved. For with the heart man believeth unto righteousness, and with the mouth confession is made unto salvation. For the scripture saith, whosoever believeth on him shall not be ashamed. And then it goes on to say, How then shall they call on him whom whom they have not believed? And how shall they believe in him whom they have not heard? And how shall they hear without a preacher? And how shall they preach except they be sent? As it is written, how beautiful are the feet of them that preach the gospel of peace and bring glad tidings of good things. Then 10.17, so then faith cometh by hearing and hearing by the word of God. Do we have a responsibility that goes beyond our doorstep? Do we have a responsibility to wrestle, to be a venue of of getting that light out? One thing I think is so important in wrestling is that we believe the Bible. We need to believe the Bible. If we don't, we're not going to become an effective wrestler. We need to believe the truths that are so fundamental, heaven and hell. Heaven and hell are both a journey and a destination. And here's a bit of of my rambling thought. Heaven cannot be only the natural result of doing good on this earth. There are people that say, Heaven is a state of mind, or hell is a state of mind. You know, heaven cannot be only the natural result of doing good on this earth, or how could we explain the terrible physical torture and suffering that is being experienced by the Christians in Camp 22? That's where the Christians suffer, Camp 22, up the northern part of Korea, North Korea. How could, if, how could they, if they're doing good, how could, you know, heaven be that natural result? Certainly, there's the experience of peace that they come from knowing Christ, that comes to them from knowing Christ. The peace peace which passeth all understanding, Philippians 4.7. And this is a heavenly element. This is part of the journey that they experience. But it's not the reward. It would be an insult to those people in Camp 22 to say that heaven is the reward. And and it's been an insult to it would be it's definitely out of context with the Bible. And hell cannot be the only the natural result of doing evil. It's not only a state of mind on this earth. Well, how could we explain the lives of luxury and ease experienced by Kim Il-sung or by Kim Jong il and by Kim Jong Kim Jong-un, the three dynasty rulers there in North Korea? You know, they live in the lap of Luxury while their people are dying of starvation. Certainly, they, they cannot have peace, and so that's an element of hell that they're experiencing on this earth. But for that to be the only hell they experience would be totally out of context. There's no doubt in my mind that Kim Jong-il joined his father Kim Il-sung in hell the moment he drew his last breath. I have no doubt in my mind that that's what happened. And that's where Kim Jung-un will go unless he repents. And that's where every sinner will go unless they repent. And there's no doubt in my mind that many North Korean Christians who have been mercilessly persecuted and killed and interrogated in the most awful ways are today in the bosom of Abraham and enjoying the love of Christ the Father and the Father Hell is and heaven are both the journey, but they're mostly the destination. You know, most troubling to me are the many shins. The many shins who have simply become a product of the system. Boys and girls, men and women who have never heard the name of Christ, never been exposed to the life-saving power of the gospel, never been preached to, never had the opportunity to experience Christian joy and love, these poor people will seemingly experience both the journey and the destination of hell. Do we have a responsibility to wrestle? You know, they're like the birds scrambling up the gutter spout and falling time after time, no one there to pull them, to open up that gutter for them. They're hopeless. They're like Shin, brought up in a purely survival-minded Society, Savage, animal-like. They don't have human fidelity. They don't know what that is. They're lost sheep, torn, taken advantage of, bleeding, pain and rejection. They're in the labor camps of North Korea today and they're your next door neighbor as well. You can find them in the inner city, in detention centers, in the country. Sheep that Jesus would have be brought into the fold. John 10.16 talks about that. Now the sheep I have which are not of this fold, them also I must bring, and they shall hear my voice, and there shall be one fold and one shepherd. I believe he was talking about the Gentiles, but I believe that calls going out. He would have all to be saved. Sheep to be in the fold. So what do we do? There's certainly evil to wrestle against. We're not called just to be passive Christians. We're called to wrestle against flesh, against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of the darkness of this world. Think about it. There's nothing, there's really not but so much a soldier can do with a rifle. But there's so much, so absolutely much more power in in the power of of an idea and the power of, 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 of a sort of an ideology. And, and when that comes, takes place in high places, when that wickedness goes to high places, then it, it becomes truly uh, something to, to fear, to wrestle against. And at the same time, Christianity has so much to offer. It has the solution, the divine solution to all these. And we have it in our hands. The, the demonic institutions. There's communism. There's Juche, which is North Korea's ideology of self-worship, and this is one of the. This is one of the verses of that they were asked to say at their school after each day. I, Kim Il Sung, am the Lord your God. You shall have no other gods before me. You shall not make for yourself any image in the likeness of heaven or earth. You shall not bow down to any idol, for I am your God, Kim Il Sung. You know that's a surprising verse for the son of. Christian parents and a Christian grandparent pastor, according to the Voice of the Martyrs. You know, there's demonic institutions like Stalinism. That was the demonic institution. Nazism, humanism, and anyism that elevates man and his idea above God and, and godly precepts. Well, I'm going to try to bring this to a close quickly. I don't want to leave us all here saying, well, what should we do? I think there's things that we can do. Evangelism, that's the wrestle that we can use. That, that's the tool that we can use to wrestle with against these principalities, powers, and rulers of the darkness of this world and the spiritualness, uh, spiritual wickedness in high places. So how do we evangelize? Well, first of all, we needed to learn how to wrestle. Wrestling's not a passive sport. We need to be willing to engage. The the wrestler must have a will to win. He must be willing to sustain bruises. Passion is necessary. And maybe passion is the more undesirable natural result of wrestling. It's easy for wrestlers or for young boys that are wrestling to get mad at each other. But... We need to have a passion that comes from loving God. A passion for, that comes for, for loving the soul of man. I don't know if I should say this story, but it's too good to leave out. Um, there was a wrestling match in northern Indiana, or in Indiana, I was told about. And this story may have circulated. I don't know exactly that I'm getting all the details correct. But they brought in a national champion. Well, the Amish in that area were quite interested in watching this wrestling match. And uh, they saw the wrestling match and they brought out of their own woodwork what they thought was a man that could beat the, the champion out of that wrestling match. He was an Amishman. And they, they promoted their cause enough that, that uh, they had another wrestling match. They, they pulled this somewhat uh, shy Amishman into the wrestling ring. And when the uh, the champion wrestler there, he was a national champion, uh, saw him, he made fun of him and he went over to him and grabbed his beard and he said, you old goat, and uh, jerked his head down. And that was all that the Amishman needed to to get his blood boiling and it wasn't long afterwards he had had that wrestling champion pinned to the ground. And then he, just for good measure, he lets out a loud, bav triumph. Uh, Now, you know, sometimes we need to have our beards jerked, I think, to give us a little passion. You know, sometimes we need people to say, well, you're a creationist. You really believe that the world was created in six days? What's wrong with you? We need people to stomp on our toes to bring some passion out, uh, sometimes I believe. But most of all, we need to have a passion that comes from reading the Word and, and loving souls. Jesus giving His life for us. Being sanctified for us so that we could be sanctified. Paul had a passion for his Jewish brothers, wishing himself to be anathema, forever lost for their sake. That's, that's, in a, that's a passion. We need to be passionate, wrestler-evangelizers and I'm convinced that we as churches suffer today more from lack of passion than from having too many standards or not enough of them or, or many other reasons. So how do we gain passion? We need to believe in the fundamental truths of the Bible. There is a final judgment. People will die. People will go to hell or to heaven. And that we have a call to in, uh, to uh, to. Intervene to do what we can. The battle is first of all within us. There's there's things, that, ways that we can wrestle, peer-to-peer ministry, passing out tracts, prison ministry. I'm glad to see some of those taking up and and uh, being revived and going on from here. Giving to outreach works. Compassionate giving. Strategic planning. I think we need to. We had Dan Freed's talk on giving the other evening. And, you know, most wars aren't won by just some sort of outburst, but they're won by strategic planning, by an ongoing support system. Uh, There are people out there that are reaching souls. I think of CM, of Voice of the Martyrs, Heralds of Hope. Um, You know, I'm going to suggest, and I'm speaking to myself this morning, create a budget for wrestling giving. You know, create a budget for it. Have a, a sort of budget that goes just for winning souls and find the best organizations you can find to send that, that money to. Uh, double that budget if you have one, if you can. View that, that uh, budget as an enabler sort of thing to help the warriors out on the field. Perhaps you're not that warrior, but you can be the enabler. You know, believe it or not, I believe more wars are lost in the office than they are on the field. Many a kingdom warrior has had to withdraw from the lines due to his supplies being cut. Don't ever think your contribution isn't appreciated. Share a keen prayer interest with your contribution. If you give because you're a passionate wrestler, you'll be informed and you'll be prayerful to where you give. And, and those, that will go, that'll go, I believe, go a long way in, in reaching, maybe it's that shin out there. You know, all of us probably, if we were given the chance, would go and take a big wire cutters and cut the wires to those concentration camps and let people go. We'll never be able to do that. First of all, we'd probably get shocked to death or shot before we get there or something. But there are people that are giving their lives. There are people that are risking. There are people that are reaching to those uh, birds in the gutter pipe, drain pipe. And we can make a difference, I believe. And there are people right around us, and we don't want to forget those either. So this is a challenge, I guess, this morning. Be a wrestler in any way you can for, for God's kingdom. God bless you.